Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Katrina Roth. Katrina is the founder of Chewy Creative, a strategy and design studio that helps badass brands show up as their best self across all digital platforms. Chewy Creative is a diverse studio with a nimble team of creatives and strategists that work remotely across British Columbia. Today, Katrina and I are talking about her hiring journey. Everything from back when she hired her first team members to going through interns, grants that she used to use to help pay for her employees, and working with contractors. Katrina has so much to share about the process of finding the right team member and type of team member for your business, whether it's a contractor or an employee, and how you can decide what you need so you can continue to scale your business. So let's jump into the conversation and hear more about Katrina's journey and how it can motivate you to hire the right help for your business. Hi, Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, of course. I can't wait for today's conversation. But before we jump into everything, can you introduce yourself and your business? Yeah, um, so I'm Katrina. I run Chewy Creative, and we're a little design studio based on Vancouver Island here in Canada. We have a fully remote team of women strategists and creatives, and we help our clients with web design, branding, and social media digital marketing projects. Awesome. I love it. I, I've only been out to Vancouver once for skiing years and years ago, and I just loved it. I can't, it's on my list to go back to. I cannot wait. Oh, it's beautiful out here. I feel like every day I meet a new person that has just moved out this way or has relocated. It's a growing, beautiful place. Yeah. Same here with uh, St. Pete, Florida. People are always moving down here. Complete opposites. You know, we're probably about almost as far as apart as you can get and still be in a driving and be able to drive to each other. (laughs) At least you have a lot more sunshine down there than we have here. Yes, yes, we definitely do. But I I love the sunshine. I, I love the warm weather, but I do wish I lived a little bit closer to snow so I could go skiing. Oh, Yes. But let's talk about teams. Now, I know when we were talking, you mentioned to me a little bit of the progression you went through to really start having a team within your business. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of small business owners, when you launch out as a creative, you're usually the person doing all the things and you wear all the hats. And right. If you, yeah, you end up working 24 seven, you feel like you're on call to your clients all the time. And it's really hard to create a work-life balance. So, you know, we leave these corporate jobs and 
we think that we're getting into this really exciting pathway of, you know, choose our own adventure in self-employment. But then it becomes something a little different and it's a lot of work. And when it gets to be too much work, bringing on team members is the only way to really like take away some of that pressure. So I got to a point where I had been working, I was working seven days a week or I would stress if I took a day off and I wasn't sleeping much because all I could think about was what I needed to do the next day. And so I finally took a few steps and started hiring and oh my gosh, was it a process of learning. <laughs> right, right. And I just want to take a moment before you continue on to just kind of like reflect back on that. I'm sure myself and a lot of people listening can relate to that. It's like, what is the saying? You know, you leave a job working 40 hours a week to work 80 hours a week for yourself or something like that. And it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's true. Your business is always on your mind. You're always doing something. It's hard to take that time off and step away because if you're not working, nothing is getting done. You don't have a backup picking up your slack and it's, it's hard as a challenge, but at first in your business, you have to do it because you you're trying to get the clients. You're trying to build your business. You're trying to make the money so you can hire someone. And then there comes a point where you're like, I think I can actually get someone on my team and to help me out and make it so I can have that life that I wanted when I started my own business. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I guess that is, it's having that patience and the ability to just persevere through that first year, whether maybe it's two years, I know everybody's going to be different, but yeah, I jumped into hiring help as soon as I could. <laughs> and it was about a year mark. Um, and I had this massive roster of web design clients because we offer quite a few different services and the service we've, services that we've offered have really morphed since I started off. Um, people just started coming for web design and I wasn't selling them at a high enough price at the time. Like I learned my lesson to raise my prices when I started having to pay other people. <laughs> right. It was a, a real reality shock. <laughs> oh yeah. Especially when you're looking at that money that's coming in, you're like, okay, I still want to pay myself from some of this money coming in, but yes. now I need to pay someone else. So, wow, that money went quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it is incredible. And then you realize too the value. Like I, I, I like to think that I pay my team members a really fair rate. And I always, in my mind, I always want to give them more. I always want to charge more so I can keep giving them more because I love the people that I work with. I have locked out. <laughs> I know not everybody finds a team that they jive well with. Um, but that first hire, yeah, that was a learning experience. I posted on uh, Indeed. And it was a remote position during, you know, during the pandemic and everyone was looking for a remote position. I think I had over a hundred applicants within the first 24 hours. And by the time I shut down that job posting for this web design assistant, I was overwhelmed. I didn't know where to start. So it was hard to know what to call, like whose resume do I get rid of? Which ones do I interview? I think I had a list of 50 that sounded possible. It was, it was overwhelming. Right. And yeah. And I think that definitely happens to a lot of people. Um, I always tell clients, they always ask how many applicants am I going to get? And I'm like, it all depends. There's different things in the market that could impact it there and different positions are going to get different number of applicants. And sometimes like one of my clients recently, they got over a hundred applicants, I think within the first week. And it was like, okay, where do I start? 
And it's one of those things, like when you know what to look for, and eventually you'll learn that you can go through those resumes a lot quicker where it's like, okay, there might be a 100, but I'm going to look at each one, like first 10 seconds. Okay. No, move on, move on, move on, move on. Okay. This one's good. Let me look at it a little bit more. Completely. And through that first one, like I realized a lot of people didn't read the instructions that I had left for post uh, for, for applying to the job. So many people didn't put a cover letter. There were, I think people were just mass up applying to jobs that fit within what they thought they could get. And so I did narrow it down and I scheduled interviews with 15 people. I don't know what I was thinking, like working full time and 15 interviews. Um, and after <laughs> that hiring process, I did bring on a part-time summer student from our local college. I was really happy to find a woman working in tech because we really, really try and support women and diversity in the tech space. And it just worked out really well out of that mass pile of resumes. And so she stayed on and helped me throughout the entire summer, helped me tackle all these website projects. And then she went back to school. Um, so that was a great, like dipping the toes into having a formal employee having a dedicated desk for them, stocking them with the things they need. Uh, yeah, a huge learning process. Right. I think you had mentioned that you were able to hire that person through a grant program. How did you come yeah. across that grant program? How did you know it even existed? Um, well, I'm very fortunate that I live like walking distance to our local college and I've been a student there. I did my marketing degree there many years ago. <laughs> and so when I became uh, a small business and I knew I was going to start hiring, I connected with them to see what resources were available. And they were really excited to share with me all these grant opportunities through our government. And so I applied, I got accepted. And most of it was a woman, women in tech uh, grant. And they had specifications. It had to be a current student and all these things, certain age group, but it was no problem. So I had part of her wages funded throughout the term and it took a long time to get a refund, but it was a really great way to help keep that cost down and pay her a better wage than she might've got taking some other summer jobs. Yeah. Those programs like that, they're available all over the place. So, you know, Katrina, you're in Canada, but I'm in the U S and here in my city, our County it's for high school students, but they have a grant funded program where the, the students actually get paid for internships from it's whatever this grant, the County is. So it can actually be no cost financially to the business. It's for summer internship programs. They have some rules around like how many hours it can, the students can work and what they really need to be involved in, in order to qualify for the program. But it's an amazing opportunity because one of the things is it gives these students uh, opportunities to learn and get hands-on with stuff to help them with their professional maturity and their skills and figure out what they want to go to college for. Helps the businesses because they're getting some help over the summer. But the, the nice thing about it is because it's a paid internship program, you have students who normally wouldn't be able to do internships because they need to make a paycheck that can then go out and earn money learning over the summer instead of having to work at McDonald's or Walmart or someplace else because they need they need to earn money. So that's one thing here. And then I know, um, I don't have all the details around this other one, but I know there's another program locally that for certain jobs in certain industries, they will reimburse employers for part of the training period. So that way, it's like when people are like, but I don't want to take on this person because it's going to be a lot of training. They're like, hey, we'll help pay for that training. So that way 
you can hire people and get them on your team and we can get people off unemployment and get people in higher skilled jobs and everything. So I highly encourage anyone who's listening, if that's one of your hesitations is, how do I afford this at first? Look into your local colleges, look into your local business organizations and governments and everything to see, are there grants available that can help you pay for someone before the position is producing enough revenue to pay for itself? Yeah, they're so handy. And I would love to take advantage of more grant programs because it really does help when you're a small business, that cost of onboarding and training and that learning curve. Um, Yeah, it's not cheap. Um, So yeah, she stayed. And then I brought on a graphic designer. So my second hire, she had actually had a resume in the pile when I first did my first round of interviews. And I really adored her and her work. And she seemed enthusiastic. And I had not planned on hiring somebody else, but she reached out to me and started the process to see if I was still looking for somebody because she was looking to build her portfolio. And so I brought her on as a contractor. So a little different, she was in a different province um, in Alberta and contracting seemed to be the easiest way to go. So then it was a really great situation. I absolutely loved working with her and she's now recently graduated and gone on to start her own business and do other contracts. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that's always something too, when you need help with something where you're like, okay, it might not be consistent. Contracting is often the way to go to get that great support that you need when you need it. Completely. And a little less commitment. And so having had those both experiences, I realized, okay, there's value in both. And now I have one contractor that's been with me for quite a while, helping with my social media clients and It's a great fit with her. She's local, so we can meet for coffees. And I also had another recent grad hire through a grant program that came on on January to do a term. Yeah, again, another well-funded grant from the government to help support recent women grads out of the tech industry. So that was great. And at this point, we're thinking of hiring more contractors. Now I just, I, I looked to collaborate with other business owners, other creatives, whether it's copywriters, people that specialize in platforms that I don't design on, uh, SEO strategists. And now I I can pull people from my list of potential collaborators and have a beautiful different set of creatives for different projects. Yes. Yeah. And like, I think it's so great to just kind of like reiterate again is, you know, when you want someone who has that skill set in that that area, that maybe different platform, not every one of your clients needs it. So it's not a consistent thing on every project, but being able to say, all right, yes, we can do that for you clients because we have someone we can pull in to help. And so those contractors work really well to be able to pull in someone to help, but you don't have to worry about giving them a paycheck every pay period where then there's other stuff in your business that's consistent. And those things that are consistent that you need someone daily, weekly, is, is sometimes those things that you're more likely to want an employee because you want to make sure someone always has the time for you. You know you're going to need that help. You know you're going to need that support, whether it's an assistant or as business grows, an account manager or something like that. The consistency is really where the employees should be. Yeah, and that's definitely where we're, trying to head now and we actually did a great collaboration with a copywriter out of Vancouver recently for a website project and the feedback we got from the client was incredible like she just she called it the white glove service because she didn't have to write her copy she didn't have to redesign anything like she just loved that 
ability for us to take everything on and be flexible. And so now, yeah, having contractors, I love it. I'm going to keep growing that roster of contractors, but our next will probably be hiring on some kind of marketing assistant. I think someone that can take some of the things off of my plate that I, you know, pickle with every day and I don't need to, <laughs> whether it's checking emails 20 times a day or <laughs> all those things. Right. Yes. Yes. I think that's like another great hire. And that's where I end up, like I was just talking to a business owner this morning and where a lot of my clients end up falling is they're the business owner that are, you're doing a lot. Like as we just circle back to the very beginning of our conversation, you take on everything and you're working 80 hours a week because you need to do it and it needs to get done. And then as you start getting off these like specialized things, you're still doing a lot. So what can you get off your plate so you can focus on where you need to focus in your business? Because you shouldn't be doing everything. Do you need to be in your email 20 times a day? Probably not, especially because <laughs> no. some of the emails coming in don't really need your time and attention. You know, someone else can quickly answer the question. Someone else can filter that off or go and update something in the system and say, hey, here's what you need to focus on. Here are the emails that are most important that you need to respond to. Completely. And I think the hardest part for me as a business owner is finding someone and maybe they're a unicorn, maybe they are that mysterious unicorn, but somebody that is either interested in trying all the things and learning all these different tasks or someone that has a bit of experience in different things. And I think that will be the, the challenge in crafting a, a list of expectations, duties, and like that role. Like what will this job description look like? I think I spent a few hours last night awake envisioning this job description. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that is, that's such a good point because there's many times where we're like, okay, we want this unicorn who could do X, Y, and Z. And one of the things that I always challenge is you're going to create that job description. What's the likelihood that someone can do X, Y, and Z and do it well? Yeah. Or is they going to come in and do X and Y really good? And Z is always going to be ignored because it's not their area of expertise and, yeah. or they hate it. And it's going to be what drives them out of the role. And sometimes we'll find is, okay, we can really only hire for X and Y. Z is a bonus if we get it great, but we're not going to depend on it. And we're either going to hire someone else to do Z or we're going to, as a business owner, going to have to hold on to Z until we can hire someone else that focuses on that. But sometimes Completely. things- don't mesh well. Other times you'll find that we think it's this like unicorn position and we're putting everything together, but there's a great number of candidates that are looking for something like that, that want to dip their toes in over here, but this is their really skill. This is their great skill set, and they they're looking for it and they've been doing similar roles. Yeah, that's kind of my hope. Um, and, but I do realize like there is so much value. And I think that was one thing I learned from a previous leader that I've been under that getting an understanding of what the skill set and what your team enjoys and letting them do more of that so that they have more joy in the work they do for you is there's a lot of value in that. So even with our the graphic design contractor that I had, uh, she was really interested in learning how to do web design. And so I did some coaching for her and gave her some resources that I had invested in to help her along her journey. 
because I knew there was value in that for her and then she could help me more. So the more is that give and take, I scratch her back, she can scratch mine. And yeah, sometimes you're right. Like the only way people to get that experience is to have that weird unicorn job that encompasses a lot of hats. Right. Right. And I think, like I said, communication is important. It's like figuring out, okay, do they even have interest in this? You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to throw things, especially at your contractor graphic designer and be like, Hey, I'd like you to learn this. And then be like, uh, no, but if you're talking to them and they're like, yeah, you know, I specialize in this area, but I'm really hoping to get on, bring on more clients that, that allow me to do X, Y, Z you can then send them projects that are in the XYZ area instead of being like, oh, now I have to go find someone new who does this because this person only specializes in this. Having that communication so you know what people want to do and what people can do for you is really going to help grow your business without having to go and find new people to bring onto your team. Oh, completely. And I think that, you know, depending on your job, sometimes that's often overlooked. Like you desire to grow more in one way, but that opportunity doesn't seem to be there. And I know that was a frustration when I was working in the corporate world. I tried so many times internally to move within the company and I always got, nope, 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 nope. So that was, it's a big part of how I try and run my business with my team is where do you want to go? Like, what is your goal as a contractor or an employee three, five, 10 years? And how can I support you to get there? Mm-hmm. And question about that. So knowing that you wanted to do things and in, in the corporate world and you're getting told no, did that impact your decision to leave? Somewhat. Oh yes, definitely. <laughs> I even, I mean, I had uh, applied within the industry for positions with other companies, but it was a small industry. And actually word got back to my current boss that I had applied for a similar job at a different business. And I got reprimanded for that. It was not a very healthy work culture. Um, and that was definitely part of my decision to leave. Wow. Like how let's just, just look at that. Like, okay, so we're sitting here, we're business owners. Can we imagine being so entitled that we're going to reprimand our team because they try to do something for themselves that they, right? they try, like, especially if we're not giving it to them internally, that we're going to say, not only are you not going to get it here, I'm going to be mad that you're going to go get it elsewhere. And yes, when employees leave, it does impact us because we do have to refill positions. There are impacts to our business, to our clients and everything that we are responsible for filling in the gaps. However, we can't be so selfish that we stop people from growth because what happened? You still left. They still lost you. And then it was like, wow, this completely negative experience that you're left with instead of being like, okay, I left because I needed to grow and do something else. I was ready. And then it was probably like, I got to get out of here. This is a horrible place to be. Completely. And I mean, I still, I still have quite a few connections. I still work in that industry somewhat. It's that industry is near and dear to my heart. We're working in wine. And so I have my marketing degree, but then I took professional uh, education courses in wine because I love wine. I love alcohol beverages when they're enjoyed responsibly. (laughs) Um, I feel like there's a lot of really cool history around wine and stories and to see what current people, current winemakers are doing in the industry. I find it really inspiring, like how they're changing the way vineyards are managed and being more organic and hands-on and biodynamic and taking care of the earth. And that's a whole nother topic, but that really, that's near and dear to our hearts. Um, So we still work a lot with the wine industry. 
but definitely not in the same direction that I was going before. Right. Right. And, and to think back of it, like, so when you're telling your boss and everything or applying for these other jobs internally to say, Hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. And they tell you, no. And like we talked about, like part of leading into your decision to leave, but you're being told, no, like it's still as business owners, maybe we have to tell that person, no, because we really don't think they're right for that opportunity or they want to do something. And as a small business, we don't have the opportunity to give them to do that. So there are times where we have to say, I'm sorry, but no. But the thing about it is it should then also not surprise you when the person then goes elsewhere to do something similar or, you know, to follow that passion, to really understand that this matters to them. And maybe we can't give it to them, but it matters to them and really focus more on what's going to make this person like kind of whole and to fill their goals instead of forcing someone to fulfill our goals. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. Um, gosh, yeah, that really brings up, I mean, that was so long ago now that I've grown a lot and changed a lot since then. Um, even thinking about the hiring process there, I was hired for a different job that wasn't advertised because they didn't want to give me the job I was applying for <laughs> way back when I first started for them. And lo and behold, they ended up firing the person for the job that I wanted and they still wouldn't move me into that position. There was, but I, I still, I grew a lot. Like sometimes I got great feedback and they're like, we can't give you this because of this. And it was a lot of, they just didn't think I was ever ready. So it was a lot of learning for me. I'd put in more hours for free working in different areas just so I could try and develop those skills that they wanted. But then when it was constantly still no, 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 then it's like, yeah, that's, it's time. It's time to do something different. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really a good point. It's like, once again, it's okay to tell somebody no, if you don't think they're ready for it, but then what are you going to do as the business to help get them ready for it? Cause once again, they might go elsewhere. So if you really value that employee and you want them to stay, yes, that employee themselves should be proactive, which it sounds like you were doing, Katrina, you're going out and doing things to help gain that, gain whatever it was that you were lacking. So you could be a better fit for that role. But then if they're still there saying, no, 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 or not doing anything to help encourage that, that growth, it's draining to an employee. And we don't want to leave that on our employees because then they will leave. And then you're left with, with the gap that you need to fill. But yeah, yeah. So one of the things you had mentioned when you know, we were talking beforehand was sometimes around the challenges of leading teams, especially remote teams. So tell us some of the challenges that you face with leading remote teams and how you've learned to overcome those challenges. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is definitely something nice about being remote and being able to work from my little home office. I rarely ever have to get formally dressed. <laughs> like there are definitely some bonuses, but those downsides, yeah, I don't get to have that face-to-face -face conversation with my team all the time. We do have Slack. We utilize Slack as our work hour communication channel. And when we had more team members regularly, that was a more lively place. Um, now that I don't have a formal employee in place and it's just me and my one main contractor, and then depending on the project, a few others, we text, we meet for coffees, but um, the biggest challenge, I think, when I had the contractor in Alberta and another one out in Revelstoke was just communication because you can't demand their time. They get to set their own schedule. 
and I felt like we were all working on different things. So all three team members at the time were working on different projects. So a team meeting didn't always make sense. Like I felt like I was taking up their time if I told them to be in a team meeting because none of them were co-working at the time. Like their projects were all so different. So we definitely missed out on that feeling of camaraderie, being able to, you know, have conversations around the water cooler or grab coffee together. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up so many good points, Katrina, that I think people don't think about all the time when they're hiring a team of contractors is, as you said, like it would have been nice to have these team meetings, but they weren't a team. They weren't working on projects together. They were doing different things. And you recognize the fact that it wasn't necessarily of value to their time and what they're doing for you to force them to come all together in a team meeting. Yeah, there was value for you wanting to like build this team and have this open communication, but it wasn't necessary for the projects that they were on. And that's one thing we have to remember is like when we hire contractors, we are hiring other businesses to help support our clients and support our businesses. They're not our team. They're a part of the extended group of businesses that work together to fulfill our our needs and goals. So you did the right thing and being like, I can't bring everyone together. And I, but I feel like there's so many people who try, they do these team meetings with their contractors and some of the contractors are like, why am I attending this meeting? This has nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with me. And now you're taking my time. And sometimes you have to pay those contractors to get on those calls. And is that really worth your dollars to get them on there? But doing things to get to know them on an individual level and build that relationship is important. And yes, sometimes if they're local, you can do it face-to-face, but then finding other ways to do it in a remote environment. Um, I was actually just recently talking to a business owner and they used to have an office. They got rid of their office during COVID and they kind of scaled back their team a little bit. And now that they're getting ready to scale back up, they're, they're asking like, do I need to invest in an office to get good talents or not? Cause they're like, it's kind of nice not having that expense of an office anymore. And so they were debating what to do. And now this was with employees, but what we were talking about was that with a lot of employees, especially in certain industries, they enjoy the flex. People are enjoying the flexibility of being able to work from home. However, I'm finding more and more people that have been working from home now for what, two and a half years. They say they miss the team environment. They miss getting together with people and they're starting to feel really lonely being at home all the time. So one of the things that I think every business should consider is how are you going to bring your team together? Is it quarterly meetings because everybody works all across the country, but you're going to invest to bring the people together once a quarter so you can really grow as a team and get to know each other and build those relationships. Are you going to say, yes, we are 100% remote, but you have to be remote within a certain area, a certain distance from the office, because we're going to get together once a month for team meetings. We're going to come in every week and we're going to share a co-working space where we're going to collaborate. Or, you know, we have a co-working space where you don't have to work there every day, but maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's mandatory that you work there because we're going to build that team environment and get to know each other because building a team and those relationships is important. And yeah, sometimes they are harder. They're not impossible, but harder in a remote environment and also having the ability to collaborate, making sure people feel not lonely, but I don't think we need to go back to everyone being in the same office every day and make it mandatory when there's no need to be in an office every day. Completely. And I think you brought up a good one. Like the co-working space is a really awesome resource. And that's something we're looking at um, as we bring on our next hire is getting a dedicated desk at our local co-working space. And I mean, we live in a small community. 
there was one co-working space ages ago that shut down and we now have a new one that's doing really well and it's a beautiful space they've rebranded so we're really excited to get laptops because <laughs> i can't really take my two screens and my desktop with me um but to get a laptop and have a dedicated desk that we can all meet at our future team <laughs> yes. for regular meetups and yeah maybe once a week maybe once a month and yeah build the team that way because yeah, having an office space permanent is, it is a big expense. And I think I would miss my dogs if I had to work outside of the home all the time. They'd probably miss you too. Like what happened? <laughs> Where'd they go? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was even the, for me personally, my first employee that I had, she was local. So we, I always, when I hired, I said, okay, we'll get together every once in a while, but then we didn't because of COVID and everything going on. And during the time she was working with me, I was also doing a lot of travel and everything that it just really didn't make sense. There wasn't a need for us to necessarily meet. And then my second employee, I was like, oh, well, see, first employee, we didn't meet that often in person. I was just like, I'm going to expand out and I'm going to open up to, I still wanted the person in Florida, but they could be anywhere in Florida. And um, the second employee was about maybe two and a half hours away. And besides meeting up on her first day to get her, her give her her computer and everything, we've, we never met in person. And I always felt like, I don't feel like I really can. It's such a drive for her. Or if we can meet somewhere in the middle, it's such a drive. And I realized I missed it. So, um, I've scaled back a little bit with my, with my team, but as I go to, hire again, I've made the decision that I want the person to be local, that they, we can work remotely, but local. So like once a month, we're going to have a standing meeting where we meet up somewhere in person and, you know, kind of, and talk about projects and collaborate and do process improvements and things like that to just build that, that team and have those relationships and not just be faces on the computer. Yeah, I think that's really important. And we'll probably be looking at something like that too, because I really love having my contractor here. And since we do work with food and beverage clients, we'll meet up for breakfast at one of our client's locations and use it as a content creation session plus a meetup. So it's a meeting, we get to catch up and we also get to create content for their social media accounts while we're eating their delicious food. So it's a win-win. Yes, exactly. Oh, but that's definitely the challenge. Yes. Yes. But these challenges, I think they're, they're all things that can be overcome. And yeah, it's one of those things where people like when companies went and switched remotely due to COVID at first are like, oh my gosh, this is such a challenge. I can't wait to go back to the office and everything. I just kind of said, well, the reason why things aren't working well when you're remotely right now is because you just threw a bandaid on it. You're not actually focusing on building a business, a remote business, a remote team. You threw a bandaid on it until you could get everybody back. So it's just one of those things you have to think about is if you're building that remote team, what does it really look like and build it right from the ground up. So that way it can be functioning for you. And if things don't work, guess what? Pivot, change, find out what's going to work for you. So that way you can have the team and the business that is going to help you achieve your goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to wrap up for today. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. Um, we love to hang out on Instagram. So you'll find us at Chewy underscore creative on Instagram. We, that's our favorite platform. Um, or you can find us through our website at ChewyCreative.ca and reach us by email at hello at ChewyCreative.ca. 
awesome. And all those links will be in the show notes as well. So last question that I love to ask all my guests, we have all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us, whether in our personal life or our professional lives. So think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them. Yeah, um, one of my favorites from the wine industry days and working in corporate, I worked under her wing from the day I started this company and she was like a mother figure. She was a very understanding leader. She was very to the point, but also very understanding. And I think I loved that balance of like business and family feeling. She kind of embodied both of them. Yeah, I think that's that's so important is we spent a lot of time at work and being able to have a little bit of that family feel when you're there to feel like people actually care about you and everything really makes a difference. I was actually just talking to someone earlier this week, one of the students that I mentor at um, a local college, and we were talking about how businesses are different now. It's not so much suit and tie that you go in and it's like, okay, here's business me, then here's personal me on the outside. There can be a blend and there's still that, that side of professionalism when you go into work, but it doesn't have to be just all work. We can bring our true selves and actually build those family type relationships in the office, because a lot of them, a lot of us want that. We need it. We want to feel valued. We want to feel that people care about us. I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Yeah. That being valued and cared about because you work hard at what you do and you want that feeling of reciprocation. Like that comes back. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. So thank you so much for joining us today on the growing your team podcast. Thank you for having me. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then set up time and let's talk because this is exactly how I help business owners like you. When you go through my hire framework, not only will you learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire, but you'll be able to identify and select candidates who have the skills you need and can succeed in the role. Going through this consultant process not only helps you find the right new hire for your current open position, but it teaches you how to repeat this process with every new position you add to your company as it continues to grow. So if you're a small business owner who is ready to hire, has a rough idea of the position you need to add, and you're tired of going through the hiring process only to end up with bad fitting team members, then let's talk. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart and let's talk about your hiring needs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.